You ready to start today? Romans, the 12th chapter, if you will, you can turn there. And I'm going to talk about don't conform, transform. And there is a phrase in here, just praying, getting ready, reading the Bible, that just really stood out. And uh, so I'm going to touch on this today, Romans 12. And I believe God's going to help people. And uh, he's going to put things in some people and that's going to stick and do a mighty thing in them. Verse 1, Romans 12, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove or know what is his good, his acceptable, and perfect will of God. There is a ton of stuff right there. The first thing we want to look at is this. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. He was talking to Christians here. He was talking to people who had given their life to the Lord. And an interesting uh, thought here is what had already been laid down before he started saying these things. In the 10th chapter, in the 12th verse, talking about the brethren or the believers, he wasn't making this a religious idea that we should go around and tell people, you know, don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can know the will of God. He actually was talking to Christians and not just people who had a religious idea or who were religious or as some people would say, I'm spiritual. He was talking to people when he was talking to brethren. He wasn't just talking to guys. He was talking to people who had known the Lord. It literally in the 10th chapter, he talks about these people that are brethren like this. He said, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. Well, the Jews were pursuing God. Gentiles or non-Jewish people were just kind of living their own life. And he said this, I was found. That is a profound statement because he said, I was found. I was found. That means people could be living their life and have not found God. And then he said, I was made manifest to them. That means that uh, these people here had a, an encounter with God in some way where he manifest himself, revealed himself, and I like how it says, I was. I was found. It was God talking and he said, I was found. I was manifest to these people. So when he's talking about brethren here, he's talking about people who have had a real encounter. People would call it being born again. People would be call it being saved. You know, whatever the term, their Bible terms. And there are various ones. But he said, I was manifest to them. That means... He exposed himself to them. In other words, he revealed himself to them, and he was made known to them. 
What a profound thing. That is different than what religion of the world tells us. So when he starts off here and says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, he's talking to people who God has manifest himself, revealed himself, and the way that he was revealed was from calling on the name of the Lord Jesus. See, there is something the other side of being in the world where people have a genuine encounter with God when they call on the Lord Jesus Christ. Before that time, they may have a concept or a reality of God, but He's not been manifest or revealed to them like He could be. You know, because people that, that have watched somebody come to know the Lord, often they look and think, what in the world, why are they so different? I mean, they just were this way, and now they're this way. What in the world I was, or God was, manifest to them. God was revealed to them. And whenever somebody has that kind of encounter, man, it will drive our lives to be different. We will have had an encounter with the living God. And so when he's talking about brethren here, notice this. He said, don't be conformed to this world in verse 2. Or you could say it this way, the way of the world. He wrote to these Christians and he said, don't be conformed to the world or literally this present age. People don't know you know, you know, you watch science movies and stuff and listen to people and we're going to outgrow the earth so we need to move to Mars and then we need to move to the moon and we've got to move here. But people don't realize there's an ending before then. And they're not thinking right. The Bible tells us, he said, heaven and earth will pass away. Now think about it. Don't be conformed to this world. Why would we not want to be formed to this world's system or evil influences? It's all going to pass away. 1 John 2 says this, The world and its desires or its lusts will end. Well, I don't want to be joining to something that is temporary, that's not appropriate, that's not right. And he said, and, and he wrote this to us as people who know the Lord, who have received him. Once you receive him, he manifests himself to you in such a way. We become new. We become different. And so he says here, don't be conformed to this world. It's all going to change. It's lusts, it's desires, and heaven and earth will pass away. But then he said, my word or my ways will never pass away. Here is a thought, and this is what I want to look at. If there wasn't a chance of being conformed to the ways of the world, the desires of the world, the different things that are in the world, he would not give warning. He wouldn't give instruction if being saved you're just exempt from being 
formed and conformed to the world way and the world system. There, there would be no warning. None. I mean, we're saved. We're children of God. We've had an encounter. We, he has manifest himself. You know, I remember when I first gave my life to the Lord, people would say, how do you know he's real? I, I, I tried to, uh, 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 you know, I tried to, but the best answer was, I know him. I have had an encounter. He has manifested himself to me. I acknowledged his word, acknowledged his son, called on him. I know him. Period. You can too. But that wasn't the end. He, if that was the end, there would be no more instruction. There would be no warnings of people even getting so bad that they would depart from the faith. And here he said, don't be conformed, brethren. Well, then that's a real thing. And you could say it like this, or something maybe that we should lodge in ourselves as believers, that mentality probably is one of the greatest things that the Lord addresses with believers. You know, our mind, how we think. It's one of the greatest things, or one of the things of the most, you know, of the utmost importance. Now, understand this: people could say, "Oh, well, what about knowing your sins are forgiven?" Well, that has to go through the doorway of your mind. You get where I'm coming from through your mentality. You have to know these things, and so when he gives this strong warning here or strong exhortation about not being conformed, it's more than just, you know, hey, you know, because don't people say stuff and it just, it's not real heartfelt, or maybe it is, you know, drive safe. Well, thank you, I was not going to until you told me. You know what I mean? It's just like, you know, you just say that. You know, there's... There's probably not a lot of drive safe out there. You know what I mean? Like somebody's, you know, going to just be driving totally reckless and go, whoa, they saved my life. No, that is not it. And sometimes people just say stuff and it's not real. There's not much to it. How are you doing? Great. Pray for me. We should stop them and go, about what? Um, you know what I mean? It, it, there's not a lot of depth to it. And so when he makes this statement, we're still really in verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren. Notice this. By the mercies of God. That is an interesting statement. How many of you have read this verse before? I've read it numerous times. Maybe hundreds of times. Maybe, maybe multiple hundreds of times. Or at least heard it maybe that many times. But when he said brethren, he was talking about people who had a real encounter with God and who had been made new. He wasn't talking about some religious concept and religious idea. He was talking about people who belong to God now. People who have been made new. 
people who have had a run-in with him, so to speak, of their own doing and his doing, so to speak. You get what I'm saying? They called on him. He said this, Therefore, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. That phrase right there, could maybe we could just let that slip right over our head, but, but we're not going to. Mercies literally means bowels, way down inside, or longing. It, the Bible in the Greek talks about it as being this, or different places talk about it being the seat of compassion. Something that really drives somebody from deep down inside. And really also drives God. So he's not just giving a supernatural or a superficial, hey, by the mercies of God, he's saying, by everything that's in me, I'm being driven by God, really from the core of God and the core of me to do this. Don't be conformed to this world. This is a pleading beyond, you know, have a good day. You know, just some drive safe. This is, you know, way down in there. You know, you ever been challenged to your core? And just something, some kind of encounter where you're like, man. And it just sobered you. This is like a reaching from within, from the deep part of him telling these Christians, don't comply with the pressures of the world. Because when he said, by the mercies of God, present your body, don't be conformed, there he's talking about pressures uh, to conform. You know, they're a force pushing. And he said, by the mercies of God or out of this great compassion. And really it was a compassion driven by God. He was conveying God's compassion to these people. And so when it says, by the mercies of God, it's a deep call to these believers. Listen. Listen. I'm pleading with you and I'm being driven you know, I thought worship was great, you know. And, and we don't just look for what we experience. We want to worship God. You know what I mean? We want to praise God when we're singing. But at the same time, He can start working, and that work can start becoming profound to an individual. And He's saying this type of thing, this is... From the depths. God starts working while we're praising Him, starts dealing with us. You know, sometimes it can be deeper and richer. And here He's saying, this is coming from a real place. Listen, guys. Your brethren, you guys have had an encounter with God. You are not like the rest of the world. I'm, by the mercy of God, I'm pleading with you, or out of these compassion and this drive from God, I'm saying, do not be conformed to this system or this world. Now, I know you can say that, 
And people can get all kinds of religious ideas. I remember years ago, I went on a mission trip down to Central America. It was in the 90s. And uh, we, had, we were out in some islands, so you kind of had to go from uh, a, around the island, and there was keys, you know, little things of land. So you, most of your travel was in a little boat. And uh, so we, we were, a few of us were in this boat, and we were traveling, and a friend of mine who was there at his home here in the States, in California, he had a pool table in his garage. Okay, no problem. I like to play pool. And we, we drove by, and there was this place called the Blue Bayou. And it's out on the water, no windows. I mean, it looks, you know, like in a Caribbean movie. Just a big square building, no windows, just these big, huge shutters that would close, you know, and cover the thing, or they would be propped up, if you get the picture, uh, just all the way around. And in the middle is a pool table. And I'm thinking, wow, and a popcorn machine, I remember that. And, you know, like a big one there, and, and there's a dock, you know, and, I, and I'm like, oh, look, a pool table. Just being innocent. And the guy driving, you know, with his strong accent said, oh, yes, brother, that is a sin. Well, I didn't tell him. He's sinning in the front of the boat because he's got one of those in his, no. And I wasn't going to sit there and correct him. But sometimes people think everything in the world is bad. And not everything in the world is bad. But there are a lot of things that, you know, can be influenced that would try to shape people contrary. In other words, is baseball bad? In itself, no. But they can push agendas through commercials, through spokesmen, different things like that. And so, you know, there's a push to conform in a lot of things. Movies inherently are not bad. But different people put things in movie, movies or whatever that would push to conform. And we have to be aware that we live in a world that has certain things in it that are just not good. And they will try to make people comply. Are you with me? It, it is a real thing for a Christian. And we know it, and we are warned about it. And the world and its system will pass away. Now you understand this. It would be a real easy observation if you just thought this through scripturally you, you would think of heaven and God made, you know, the new Jerusalem and that's where we have description of streets of gold and different things like that and, you know, the, just this beautiful stuff and we know scriptures about, you know, there's a river and these trees. Well, we think, man, I can't get, wait to get to heaven to look around. Anybody thought like that? Anybody thought, wow, it'll be cool to see that. Well, do you think God made it that way? He didn't make it all black and white and just make it out of cardboard. And he's like, just don't enjoy things. This is heaven. It's all spiritual. That is part of it. I mean, you can tell that from the disciples. When, when some of the greatest scriptures or, uh, that Jesus shared about the end times 
were brought about by the disciples asking a question about architecture or making a statement about this architecture. It says, look at the architecture of the temple. I think the temple was made by God's design to be beautiful. I believe he made the earth to be beautiful so we could enjoy the mountains, so we could enjoy the water, so we could enjoy under the water. Are you with me? So when we talk about the world, don't clump everything in there. Don't be conformed to this world, you know. Don't go to the beach. Don't wear dental floss to the beach. If you don't know what that means. That means don't be conformed to this world another way. It's like, I don't get that. Well, that's okay. I don't have time to explain. Somebody got it. Oh, there it is right there. I got that. Dental floss. Yikes, that's not much. They're not wearing much. But there are things all over the world and a pattern that doesn't mean wear a tent, too. You know what I mean? You know, like... But all I'm getting at is there is a lot in the world that is pushing, that's wanting people to conform. And there is such a warning and it is a deep warning. And it's from the deep place of this minister. And he even said right after, I say by the ability of God. He talked about speaking to them by the grace or the ability of God. He said, I say through the grace that was given to me. Or in other words, through this ability that was given to me. And part of it, he said, from this rich compassion that comes from God in this drive. I say to you, and obviously we're targeting one part, don't be conformed to this world. Now he did talk about being transformed but for the time's sake, he said, don't be conformed. Don't be pressed into this mold. And the world is real big about uh, conformity. It really is. We need to understand God is really about transformation. He's real big on the quality of our life as believers to not be a thorn in the flesh of somebody, but to be salt and to be light. In other words, light drives back darkness. Salt preserves from rotting. Are you with me? So that the whole place doesn't stink. You know, you ever... Uh, I didn't know this as well in California, but when I moved here, you don't put your chicken that went bad in your refrigerator in your trash can on Tuesday if the trash doesn't come till Monday. If you're not sure about that, wait till after your trash gets picked up to put some old rotted chicken in there. You'll walk around the side of your house and the neighbor is going to call and think you killed somebody. There's a rotting body over there. Why would you leave it in the refrigerator so it doesn't rot worse? Because it will in those conditions. Back then, they didn't have refrigerators. They had salt. They did certain things to preserve. And our lives are to be so transformed and non-conformed that we preserve the world from just going off the deep end. Are you with me? But at the same time, he said there is a warning or a pleading not to shape 
our lives like them. And it's not just don't do this and don't do that or do this and do that. It is a changing of our mentality. Our spirits were made new. Old has gone. The new has come. So we need to realize when he's talking about this nonconformity, we're not trying to be rebels. We're nonconformists. Well, technically, we are nonconformists, but we are conformists. Somebody said, that's confusing. No, we don't conform to the world, but if you read back in the 8th chapter, it says, be conformed to the image of Christ. Let Him have an influence on you. Don't let the world have an influence on you. So, I just need to know that there are things that are not good or that I maybe don't like. You ever get something and you said, I don't want that in there? And you got your plate and they put it in there? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you don't know what I mean. They add something. You go to a restaurant and you're like, please don't put that in there. And it comes and they put it in there. Don't always swallow it. Sometimes you pick it out. Christians need to be aware where we pick things out. And we don't just swallow everything that comes. I mean, the world is really big about labels. Huge. And God is real big about labels. We need to know our labeling. That's part of being transformed and part of not being conformed. It's huge. There are labels. And they will try to stick it on your can. That doesn't sound right. On you. You're like, what was that? It's a label. But the world will tell you you're a victim. The world will, you know, put labels on people for everything. I mean, it's amazing. You know, we hate racism supposedly, but you're white. Or you're this, and put labels on things so people get divided. And when it comes to being a Christian, we may be varying colors, but technically in Christ, we're a new creation. We're the kingdom of God. We should be able to love one another. We're one body in Christ. There are no preferences. Are you with me? But the world would want a label. Labels do a lot of things. They put dividing lines. A label tells you what that is, how it should act, and what it will be. And if God has His say-so, and He does, He has put labels out there for Christians. But the world would want people to conform. You know, they'll say things like this, nobody can tell me what to do.
You ever hear that in the world? Just do what you want to do. But if we adopt that kind of mentality, then we're going to go contrary to where the Lord would say, you know, because you're your own self, and you're your own person, and just do what makes you feel good. Well, that's a label. And it's not appropriate. The Bible tells us that, when, uh, that we should submit to the Lord. And that we should su- submit to those who are over us in the Lord because they watch out for your soul. Why would a pastor preach what he does? He might be looking out for your soul. But you get out in the world and they'll tell you, oh, you, you, you're, they're just trying to hem you in. They're just trying to wreck your life. No, they're watching out for your soul. You should be your own person and they'll put those titles on there and try to tear certain things away. And if we're not careful, and it can be pressure. It can. And they'll shape it like, oh, you allow that religious stuff to, to rule you and dominate you? Well, that sounds bad. I don't know if I want that. So what is the option? Just live for yourself. Do whatever feels good to you. We won't finish God's plan that way. We won't do God's design that way. And if I don't submit to God and submit to authority or certain types of authority, the Bible said that is an avenue for overcoming the devil. Submit to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. You don't have to submit to anything. Do anything you would like to do. Live your life to the fullest. Do anything that feels good. Well, I believe God has a full life. But it's interesting, you know, the labels of how much driving towards self and not driving toward God. In Luke 17, you know, it talks about if you would surrender your whole life, you would find it. You would find true life. But anybody who would preserve their own life and their own lifestyle will ultimately lose their life. You know, there's a lot of, it's about me. Do what makes you happy. Nobody should be able to tell you who you are, but at the same time, they've got labels for it. Nobody can tell you who you are. That's a dangerous statement because if you belong to God, God's got some labels. More than a conqueror, free from sin, beloved, light of the world, dead to sin, and the list goes on. But nobody can tell you what to do, but you know how deceptive that is, and nobody can tell you who you are, and then they'll give a definition of some kind of crazy something they made up. And right there, they're trying to put a label on you. But heaven and earth will pass away. All those labels will pass away. They're false. Anything made by man that way will just vanish away. You know, people will tell you the world is pushing 
And one reason why the world pushes is because they're driven by the enemy. But also, sometimes it's easier for one person to sin if other people are sinning. Or if other people are living a certain way. And they'll pressure you that if you don't accept them, you're, you're full of hate. They label you. But if God tells you the truth about something, He said He does it because He loves. But what happens if a false label gets on there and you think, oh, I don't want to do that because I don't want to be hateful. And then people back down because they took a label from the world. Then wait a minute. Am I telling people things because I hate them? I shouldn't have a bad motive. Or, or do I tell people the truth because it's a way God can reveal himself to them? And maybe I've taken a label that's made me back down. Amen. This is not a sermon for us to go, hi to everybody around us. It's so I don't conform. Now, he, we're talking about transformation too, but we're really looking at the conformity part. You know, the world is pressuring all over the place. Do all these different things. You're this, you're that, you can be this, you can be that. And some of it is so outside of God, people are like going, what is going on? And isn't it true though, when we look at certain things, we observe them somewhat objectively? For example, I didn't know we had had almost 300 mass shootings this year. Or over, actually, it was. I was like, what? And, you know, but we had another one or several, but one made the headlines because that guy shot however many, I don't know how many are dead now, nine, you know, at that parade, and he was 21 years old. And it's probably been on a lot of people's minds or on their lips at one point. And some of the things, you know, that come up are like, who are his parents? Or what in the world happened? Or... Or, or this one comes up. Why did he do that? Why did he make that decision? He's 21 years old. He's going to be in jail the rest of his life. The rest of his life. See, we start looking at it objectively there. Man, I mean, it's horrible what happened to all the families, but also with him, he made a decision that's going to cost him. That's going to affect some outcome going to affect the quality of his life. What life is. I mean, it's for him going to be in a cell the rest of his life. So we start thinking a little bit objective there, but why don't we think spiritually objective? And I believe we do. And can. But we're not playing for a life sentence on the earth. We're playing for the big picture. For life eternal for people. I mean, it's one thing to be in prison. Let's say the guy lives till he's 81, 60 years in prison. What about hell? I mean, I've been praying for him, Lord. Get laborers across his path. If people think 
hell, I mean, prison is bad. Oh, my. But people don't look at the big picture often, and they don't realize their consequences, so they'll put approving labels on things, and they'll badger you if you don't accept their labels as being appropriate. They'll want you to conform. Amen. One of the words is comply. Isn't it true? The other day I was talking to somebody, I've got some food to go, and this girl has asked about the church and has a little kid, and I've told her at different times while I was talking to her about it, because she said, hey, I'm quitting, I'm getting a new job. And a lady came behind me, and uh, I took a minute to go out. She got her food and went out, and she saw me and confronted me. And she said, that was you in there, you know, spewing all your religious stuff. I was like, what? I wasn't talking to her. Nosy. I mean, no, I didn't think that. I was thinking, she probably needed to hear this. Are you with me? And, and she just got all bent out. Of, I mean, she was fired up. I'm like, whoa. She said, I talked to the manager. Don't ever go back in there. Well, I knew the manager, so I walked right back in there. I said, I'm going back in there. <laughs> but she wanted me to comply. If I comply, I, start, I prayed for her too. I was opposed one time. There's hope for her. <laughs> there was hope for me. But the world, what I'm getting at, wants you to comply. I mean, think about it. I sow a gospel seed in this girl. She comes to rip it out. She comes to tell, to take what was sown in her heart. You ever read in the Bible where the Word of God is sown in people's heart, but afterwards certain things come from the world to try to tear it out? What is it? Try to keep them like the world. Amen. You guys okay? But we know this, don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed. And here there is opposition. I mean, maybe she thinks now I'm going to be afraid. No, for the sake of the world, we love. We'll tell. Not everybody is going to like it. But someday she will. Or at least someday she'll be glad she heard. Or it will make it where there is no excuse. But like I said, there are tons of labels that are going on people. And people will say things, live any way you want to, do what you want. And they'll even tell you, it's fun. And you know what? The Bible even says that too. Say what? Yeah, the Bible said this, Moses chose not to go with the way of the world. Choosing to suffer the pressure and affliction of wanting to follow God's way and go with God's people. It said, instead of enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season. 
You know, I made this statement last week. I just made a question, actually. I said, do people really get away with things? And I even heard somebody, they're not here this week, so it's nobody here. And they said, yeah. And then I heard them go, I don't know. <laughs> but the Bible said some sins go before us, you know, are seen clearly, and other things later on will not be hidden. Realize this, there may be pleasure in some sin temporarily, but ultimately it will produce something that's not good, but the world will not label that. They won't. They won't tell you. As a matter of fact, there is a huge push, and we'll close with this, in the world about loving yourself. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, people are like, oh great, I have no problem, I don't love myself. That's not what he's talking about. He said that perilous times will come in the last days because people will love themselves. In other words, it doesn't mean they love themselves, it just means they're selfish and they're just carrying out any action they want to, and he's saying don't go with that. Do it God's way. And, you know, if it seems right, we'll go and talk about some of the other verses next week. But you think about it, when he's talking about conformity here, the word conform, transform, notice they both have the word form in there. And we're familiar with the word trans. Right? Trans. So you guys are all thinking all kinds of tr transmission. You know, stick shift, a transmission, transatlantic, trans-Pacific flight. Right? Trans means to go over from one place to another. But he means go from one place to another place or another form. Transform. When he says conform, when he talks about conform, he means come together and have a form, you know, be pressured into another form, conform. And he said, and he warned, don't be conformed or pressured. There are little things out there that, or big things too, but thank God there is victory. Do this. Be careful of the title that the world puts on you once you're saved. Well, you know me, I'm just a mean person. I know I'm saved, but I'm just like the devil. Don't put that title on yourself. You know, I, I, I just can't overcome this. Don't, even if you're struggling, say I'm more than a conqueror. Because the Bible said you're more than a conqueror. Even if you see something, it would be good for you to answer back. Jesus taught the disciples this. He said, who did the world say that I am? In other words, the world and all these people have all these ideas about me and my ways, and they said, well, some say this. Some say you're this. In other words, they didn't hide and go, oh, don't say that about him. They were hearing it. They knew it. They said, well, who do you say that I am? 
And they said, well, you're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. You're the Savior of the world. He said, heaven and earth did not reveal that to you, but God did. Or, you know, the natural... He said, you know, this natural world didn't reveal it to you, but my Father who is in heaven did. What's interesting is heaven and earth will pass away and its ways, but these things will not. In other words, these truths will not. So when he says, don't be conformed, man, it is a strong exhortation. And it is an exhortation to brethren. And not just to brethren, but people who are born again. People who he has manifest himself to them. So that's the whole spectrum, no matter how strong you're walking with the Lord or not walking with the Lord. It's the same exhortation. It's the same fervency. Amen? Why? In these days, seems to be a little bit more pressure. But be of good cheer. Jesus said, I've overcome the world. So even though the world may be getting worse, he said, be of good cheer. He didn't say, the world's getting worse. Be bummed. Be depressed. He said, be of good cheer. I already overcame the world for you. So you don't have to be conformed. Amen. Isn't the Lord good? He has good things. For all of us. Amen. And uh, when he says don't be conformed, it's not a hateful statement, a hard, harsh it is just a strong one, full of compassion, full of heartfeltness. Amen?